Welcome to Pastor Potluck, and I thank you for joining us. Normally, I would say I'm Court Green, and then I'd pause, and Peter would say, and I'm Peter Constantin, and it's cute, and it just flows together so nicely. But today, we're not going to do that. Today, I'm going to handle this intro, and for the rest of your time on this program today, you're going to hear a lot of Peter, and you're going to hear none of me. And the reason for that is that Peter and I are preparing for a series of interviews coming up in the next few weeks and a series of programs that are dedicated to issues that have a lot to do with mental health. And so while we are getting ready for shows to come, we are going to leave you with this show that Peter recorded earlier back when we were not radio anymore, but we were not yet full bore podcast. It was when we were just kind of exploring the idea of podcasting. And so he interviewed a psychological professional and we have had other psychological professionals on the show before, especially back when we were in radio. And so I hope that you will listen to this and get you kind of geared for these next couple of weeks that are coming up. There are some things going on in our local community that I think have some ramifications for other communities and really have been necessary for a long time, uh, the, the conversations that we're going to be having. And so I hope that you'll listen to those, and I hope that this week's show will help get you, get you prepared for what we are going to be doing in the next few weeks. And so, like me, you're going to listen to Peter and his interview that he's got coming up, and hopefully you'll enjoy, and hopefully they will go a long way in getting us ready for the work that's ahead of us as you listen to our upcoming shows and we address topics that are local but that have ramifications that go far beyond Canton, Haywood County, North Carolina, or even the United States. Thank you guys for tuning in. Here's Peter. Hello everyone. My name is Peter Constantin and as many of you know, uh, over the past couple months, Pastor Court Green of Canton First Baptist and I did interviews on WPTL, the local radio show here in Canton, North Carolina. Well, I thought it would be interesting to keep that going in a different format. Um, since we have the capability to do so via Zoom, I thought we would uh, start to interview folks from our community. So this is my own project. Court's not involved, although he may be at a later date if this picks up speed. Uh, but uh, today I thought I would introduce you to uh, someone who I bumped into at the local coffee shop. His name is Ryan Buchanan. And Ryan is a licensed clinical health mental, uh, mental health counselor associate. And he studied at, in North Carolina. And he holds a master of science in clinical mental health counseling from Western Carolina University right here in the Smoky Mountains. He's currently working with individuals, families, and couples in private practice in downtown Canton. And I thought it would be great uh, to start off with Ryan so that we could hear a little bit about somebody who's uh, practicing mental health counseling in this, in this area, in this part of North Carolina, and just see you know, what, what he's about. Many of us have experience um, with mental health counseling. Many of us don't. And uh, so maybe you have some questions about what, um, what mental health counselors do, why their work is necessary, uh, what you should do if you are interested in 
uh, learning more, or if you have a family member or your own self who you're concerned about and you want to get some more resources, we're going to talk to Ryan today about all of that, things to look for, and how to support one another even without seeking professional help. Uh, so I hope that you enjoy this conversation. I'm looking forward to it myself. Ryan is going to join us here in just a few minutes. If there are other people from the community or sectors that you're interested in hearing about, please let me know in the comments of this video and we will try to get some more voices on this show. Uh, thanks again for all of the support from, from my two churches, Crusoe United Methodist Church and Long's United Methodist Church here south of Canton. Uh, I've been a pastor here for just a year and a, and a month. So very new here still, and I'm learning the area. So I thought, what better way to do so than in a way that I can share with everyone else as I get to know folks from the community. So let's just uh, wait for a moment, and we should hear from Ryan tuning in just in about a minute or so. Again, if you have questions that you'd like to ask of somebody with a clinical mental health background, uh, feel free to post those in the comments and I will get those to Ryan if, um, and, and he can get some answers for us. So I think we've got Ryan on the line here. Ryan, are you there? I'm here. Awesome. Well, yeah. how are you doing this morning? Oh, so far so good. So where are you? in this world of <laughs> yeah that's always the question right now isn't it <laughs> yeah. so i am from uh an extra bedroom at the house um, okay. kind of serves as, as my office <laughs> i've had to do the same thing um, <laughs> although as a as a pastor of a local of a small church you know i sometimes feel like i've been doing the whole quarantine thing all along <laughs> right um yeah, but actually, why don't we just start there? You know, how have things been uh, different for you since starting in um, in this COVID season? What has changed for you? What's the same? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, from the start, when we went into the quarantine part of things, um, it was definitely a big shift for all of us in the mental health world, um, just simply because we, we are in such close quarters with people um, when we're, you know, doing sessions and whatever. Um, so it was a immediate, like, how do I figure out telehealth and how do I do all this and what's that going to look like? And how does that shift you know, the nature of counseling? Um, just, you know, as it is. So, um, that was the, the initial shift and it was challenging at first, um, to be able to do that because so much of, you know, what I do, is is based on being able to sit with each other you know in person um so yeah lots of big shifts um with that and just learning how to make the best of what we have going on and you know i eventually figured out that telehealth has its place for sure and can also be really helpful and really effective um even with some of the shortcomings that it has yeah, well, let's definitely circle back around to telehealth, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. I'd love to hear what your experience yeah. has been. But first, um, help me get to know Ryan Buchanan. Uh, where are you, where yeah. are you from? Uh, where did you grow up? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, not too exciting because I grew up here <laughs> in Haywood okay. County, wow. which okay. I mean, I really, I guess it depends on, you know, how you look at it. I've clearly, I'm still here. So I found it to be a great place um, and a really exciting place to grow up. Um, I mean, I don't know how much of the backstory you want, but I mean, I, I went to Jonathan Valley Elementary School and then Waynesville Middle and then uh, up to Tuscola, which I apologize for all of you who are over here on the, the Canton side of things. <laughs> yeah, I know I have, I have a lot of love for, for all the, the whole county, Bears and Mountaineers alike. Um, yeah, Mountaineers are good too. Yeah, yeah. So um, grew up around here. And um, I guess the really important thing from like childhood and like high school age was that I was uh, really involved with music and band. Um, and that was a major part of my life and still is, um, even though maybe not as directly, um, but I was, what instrument do you play? Uh, saxophone. Um, so, well, so I started, <laughs> I started on trumpet for a couple of months and that did not go so well. Um, when that was like back in sixth grade and then I switched over to clarinet, played clarinets in indoor ensembles all the way up through high school, but played saxophone in uh, marching band. And then for uh, my bachelor's degree, I did music education and auditioned with saxophone and got in on saxophone. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm, I'm new to Canton. I mm -hmm. have been here a year and a month. And so help me understand the, the Tuscola-Pisgah rivalry. It seems like a really big deal. It's such a big deal, and I wish I could help you um, understand it a little bit better. But sometimes I'm still really confused <laughs> as to why it's the big rivalry that it is. But um, I think it's more that it's just fun. You know, it, when, when you come at it from that, that mindset of it being just kind of a fun local rivalry, then, then it certainly can be, especially, you know, back in my high school days and being a marching band. It was definitely fun because, you know, we're – having our team along and uh admittedly I, I don't know that we always did that great <laughs> when i was in high school um in terms of wins and stuff but yeah um i, th I think it's just all about the fun and just being able to you know haggle each other <laughs> yeah so i i was also uh, a, mar a band kid i was in marching band i was a trumpet player yeah so i'm familiar uh with with that kind of scene i guess but uh what how how would you describe it were you in marching band and what's that what was that like yeah marching band was my community i mean that that's how i like band and music is how i made it <laughs> that was completely vital for me um i'm not really sure what life would have been like without it because um, yeah. i mean i i was i was a straight up band nerd um that's that's what i did it's <laughs> all i did um so yeah it, it served as my main community and i think helped me get through high school um in a lot of ways wow yeah wow. it was and a way to see the world it's okay tell me more about that well yeah it was it was also um one of the the ways to see the country and see the world because we would travel for competitions oh really and um, so it was a really great way for me being, you know, from a small town to be able to experience um, different cities and different places. And um, though we never really got, you know, off of the eastern seaboard in, in my time, but it was still 
still really valuable and a great time, especially traveling with friends. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, yeah, very cool. And you said that this is something that's followed you to adulthood. You you continue to absolutely be musical. How has that yeah. happened? Yeah. So like I said, I um, my undergrad. Um, I did music education, so I majored on saxophone and, you know, ended up with a teaching license. Um, things didn't go that route because I ended up uh, becoming a youth pastor, like, my halfway through my first senior year. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, the, the music major is, is a, it's a really big major, so it can take some people more time, and it certainly took me a little more time. Mm -hmm. um, so I went that route instead, but I did end up teaching for a couple of years at a charter school. And um, honestly, just the, the things that I've learned, especially being a saxophonist and playing jazz, uh, that it really, it really gives me a framework, um, even for how I am as a counselor. Um, if you think about, you know, improvisation in jazz music, I mean, that, that's really what happens in the counseling uh, room is, is it's like improvisation. You're, you know, listening to each other, you're responding to whatever theme is coming out. Mm. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's still, even if I don't play as much, music is still very much uh, a part of who I am and how I view the world. That's really cool. I hadn't thought about that. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm also a musical person, thought about, um, well, I went to a school that was, uh, had a music focus. I was, I did not do a music major, but I know that those folks uh, spent a lot of time practicing, mm -hmm. a lot of time. I mean, it was, a lot of people said it was one of the hardest <clears throat> majors there. Yeah, yeah. it was, you, it was challenging. You mentioned uh, becoming a youth pastor, and I wonder if you would just uh, help us understand kind of what, what's your, what's your faith background? What's, uh, what are your earliest memories uh, of faith and how has that been part of your life all the way yeah. up to that time? Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> oddly enough, the the first memory I really have of church was um, at at one of our local Methodist churches when I was very small, and I had no idea what was going on other than there was bread and grape juice, and I was going to get to eat some, and my mom took me up to get it, <laughs> and and that's like the first thing I remember from any kind of church experience. Um, so fast forwarding a little bit. Um, I, my, you know, my family has a bit of a Baptist background, um, but we, they, they weren't necessarily active within any church setting. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I kind of came around to that uh, with, with some encouragement from family, but, but really I kind of came around to it on my own. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was, um, I spent some time in a Baptist youth group. And then in high school, I um, started attending just different places. I went to an Assemblies of God church, um, you know, experienced a lot of different uh, denominations. And eventually, like, you know, I had that experience of, wow, okay, God, God is real. And I need to do something about that. Uh, so there was definitely a, a point when I was about 15 or 16, where uh, it, it became very real for me, and really changed the trajectory of, of my life, I think. Would you share more about that? Do you remember that experience? Oh yeah. <laughs> I would say, so I, I mean, I had been, I had been baptized and, but the thing is I didn't really know, you know, what was going on. I didn't really get it. Um, and 
I started going to the Assemblies of God Church, which, you know, has a much more charismatic kind of flavor. Yeah. And um, I got involved with a, a drama team there. Hmm. And um, so it was like dance and skits and drama stuff. And um, in serving with that, I kind of faced that reality of like, wait a minute, you're, you're up here presenting this to people, you know, presenting the gospel to people. Um, but you're not totally sure, this is me speaking to myself, you're not totally sure exactly what you believe and what's going on here. Mm. Um, so I kind of had that moment and then I had the, you know, the most real, um, experience that I've had of God speaking to me, um, in my life. And it was like a couple of days long, honestly, I was just kind of walking around in this haze (laughs) of just the realization like, wow, okay, God really is real and actually cares about me. Um, so maybe I should, you know, do something about that and, and honor him too. So, um, do you feel like there was any connection between sort of those questions you were asking and that, uh, experience that you had later? Um, the, which experience? The the experience that you said of the, of the haze that you were walking around and when you actually felt God's presence. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They were definitely all happening uh, right around the same time. You know, it was the questions were happening. The, um, you know, I had, I had an evening where I just, I realized how much I needed um, Mm -hmm. God to, to be there, to be in my life, to be a support Mm -hmm. um, and to lean on him in a really real way. Um, So yeah, it was definitely, um, I would consider it an answer, right. You know, a response. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, when I say spoke, I, I don't necessarily mean that I heard, you know, specific words or audible words, but it's just, you don't need words, I, I think, um, with those yeah. kinds of experiences. For sure. So, yeah. so how did that, um, how did that experience and that, that period of time in your life shape or change the direction or your path or did it? Maybe it didn't. Yeah, I think it did um, for sure. Um, I, I don't know that I realized I would eventually become uh, a pastor slash minister of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think I was more open to that and, mm. and wanted, didn't know what it was, but knew that I wanted to have a more devoted life in that sense. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that, well, yeah. So when I got into uh, college, when I went for freshman year, I think it was during my freshman year. You know, I ended up starting just a independent little Bible study group that that kind of grew a little bit and had some people and we would do music and stuff and um, have Bible studies. And when I look back at that now, I'm like, what, who, who was I to be? I didn't have any kind of, you know, training or anything or whatever. We were just going off the cuff, which I think there's value in that too. But, um, but yeah, certainly it made me um, definitely want to be more active in, you know, ministry and, um, and definitely, you know, led me towards eventually becoming a youth pastor. Okay. Well, I, I want to, um, I work, I worry I'm jumping ahead too quickly, but it's just sort of curious. Do you understand, um, the work that you do now as a, as a clinical mental health counselor, clinical mental health counselor, as in a way a form of ministry 
or or if you do, or if there's some nuance there, would you help me and help us understand that? Yeah, and I'm glad you asked because um, that you know that that's a very relevant question to where I am. You know, I'm I'm three years into this now, and and there have been you know recent times of still wondering, gosh, am I supposed to go on? Uh, you know, in in my current expression of faith, it would be a priest. Um, so there's, there's all, you know, there has been that question of, you know, is that, am I doing the right thing? Do I need to go do that instead? You know, but, but I've, I've come to a place where, um, I absolutely see it as, you know, a vocation that, um, whether directly or indirectly is a representation of the gospel. You know, it's, it's, um, you can't, you can't divide me up. I, you know, I can't divide myself up and separate, you know, the the Christian self over here and then the counselor self over here. Yeah. It's just, you just don't do that. It, it totally informs who I am and what I do as a counselor. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for that. And it's taken me some time to get there to just be okay with like, well, wait a minute, just because you're not in ministry per se um, doesn't mean that you're not, you know, living uh, sort of a pastoral role. Yeah. Well, help me understand a little bit more. Um, so I know that you, you have clients probably from um, a, a range of backgrounds and religious views, et cetera. So yeah. um, th- does, does faith come up in your conversations or, you know, the person Ryan Buchanan can't be mm-hmm. separated, but as far as your practice goes, how do you see that playing out in your, in your practice? Sure. Yeah. Uh, it, you, yeah, we. I'll kind of dive into that a little bit. Um, the, the first thing that comes to mind is that, as a counselor, my my primary goal is to support people with their mental health struggles, mm-hmm. right? And and so, um, to do that well, and this goes for any therapist, and this is maybe even a little bit of advice on how to search for a good therapist is somebody who can hold that space for you without proselytizing. Um, you know, so, so for me to be at my best as a counselor, even with, you know, my faith background, I need to be able to hold a space for anybody coming from any, you know, background of their own. Um, and if I'm not comfortable with that, I need to be willing to support them and, and helping them find somebody who can hold that space for them. Um, which honestly doesn't happen very often. Um, you know, I'm really comfortable with sitting with, with people from all different backgrounds of religious expression and or non-religious expression you know whatever it is um and i don't feel like there is a conflict there there's there is no conflict for me with that um you know because regardless of of what they believe and where they are i can still love them i can still support them and and hold a space for them to work through the very real you know mental health struggles that they experience Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I admire that a lot. And I think that um, as as Christians uh, of, of any age try to contemplate how their faith and their, uh, and, and their work um, overlap or somehow um, build on one another, I think your example is a good one of how that can be a very deep um, motivator without needing to be expressed in every single um, interaction that you have. Yeah. yeah. 
So how, how do you, um, I have a limited experience with sort of, um, it, you know, pastoral care is what I, is what I do, uh, which is not clinical mental health counseling, uh, but has some overlaps. And I know that uh, creating that space, as you said, of being able to listen and to, and to support someone as they're processing uh, what's going on in their life, uh, it can be emotionally taxing. And so mm-hmm. how, do you, um, how do you maintain your own emotional, spiritual, physical well-being and uh, as, you, as you try to be your best self so you can support the folks who come in through your door? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I think it's, you know, that, that's like one of the big questions of the time is how do we take care of ourselves in all of this? Because we don't, um, I hope this doesn't come across harshly, but we don't have the usual distractions. Mm. You know, we, we, we don't have access to, to the ways that, and everyone does this to an extent, you know, we, it's easy. It's so easy to just, Oh, I'm going to go here. I'm going to drive over here. I'm going to go do this. And you know, those things are just kind of following us around. And we're just kind of ignoring it. So now we're in a place where, you know, we, we have to face it because we're not as mobile and it's not as easy to, to go out and avoid it. So, um, say, say more like yeah. name the it, what's the it that you're talking about? The Yeah. The yeah. So let, let's jump into things like, you know, family issues and, and marriage struggles, you know, um, or, uh, parenting struggles like those things are gonna they're, they're hitting us all in the face right now because and maybe not as heavily as it was back when we were on full quarantine um but but we're still there and and the kids aren't in school yet <laughs> you know so so those things are definitely more present um and just you know it, within our relationships i guess is what we're saying here is our connections with other people if those connections are, are dysfunctional or, or struggling, then it's way more in our face right now than, mm. than it normally would be. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, so for, you know, I, I'm realizing as I ask this question, this is not just a question for people who find themselves in an occupation like pastor or uh, mental health counselor, uh, yeah. as far as how to maintain and, um, good self-care practices, but it's really for all of us, especially anybody who uh, is a parent or is in a, in a married relationship or is uh, the child of, uh, of elderly parents, anybody who finds themselves in a caregiving role or even yeah. in their friend circle finds themselves wanting to care for uh, the, the people around them. Uh, mm-hmm. So help, help me understand and give me some more, uh, ideas as far as what we can be doing as individual people during this uh, very difficult time um, to uh, to take care of ourselves and to I guess with the with the additional goal of being more available to care for those around us yeah yeah so initial thoughts um I would just say, first off, be, be gentle with yourself, be, be really gentle and, and don't, you know, give yourself a hard time. Like, I know it's, it's hard to do that sometimes. Um, 
because I know that many of us struggle with you know, negative self-talk and want to beat ourselves up for not being enough, for not being able to rise to the occasion, but none of that's ever helpful. <laughs> you know, that, that just takes us further down. So, you know, try to cultivate that voice of, of gentleness with yourself first. Um, and then along with that, be willing to take care of yourself. Because I, I think we're all caregivers. And, you know, whether we have family, we have connections with other people or not, we're still caregivers because we're caring for ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, it's okay to do that. It's okay to take care of yourself. You're going to be better off and you're going to be able to better support other people if you're also taken care of. Um, so whether that means, you know, reaching out and, and reaching out to your own resources, asking for help, you know, if you need a break, if you need a date, <laughs> you know, with, with your loved one, you know, ask, ask for help. And, and try to take it and, and, you know, as hard as it is, try not to feel guilty about it because you really do have to take care of yourself. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a, a big bulk of my job is making sure that I'm in a good spot so that I can then you know, best serve the people that I see. Yeah. So asking for help is such a difficult um, skill to, to build. I, you know, personally, I have a hard time with it. Um, do you uh, have any, I mean, what is your example? How do you, what do you look to for like, um, you know, aspiration as far as, you know, doing this work of, of maintaining your self-care and asking for help in order to support other people? Um, what, what kind of, uh, what do you return to when you, when you need to sort of, uh, you know, remember kind of why you're doing things and, 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 uh, and give yourself the, the encouragement to keep going. Yeah. Um, so essentially how do I make this sustainable for myself? Yeah. Um, and how do, how do I carry on? Um, when I'm doing a good job of it, <laughs> see, see, there's a little bit of like negative, negative self-talk there, shaming myself. <laughs> but when I do a good job of it, um, we, you know, in, in my faith expression, we have daily prayers um, that, that we're encouraged to say every day. Mm -hmm. um, so there's like a 10 minute section segment in the morning and, and some prayers for the evening. And, you know, when I do those, um, things are good. Uh, it, it helps to reset. Um, and then just on, on the more, um, T tell me, just uh, let me sure. interrupt and tell me yeah. what your faith expression is currently and, and what kind of give me more information about those daily prayers. Sure. Yeah. Um, so my, my expression of Christianity is Orthodox Christianity. Um, and there's that, that can be kind of a confusing thing because a lot of times in the West, we kind of refer to it as Eastern Orthodox um, and then within that, you know, people might be familiar with the Greek Orthodox Church or the Russian Orthodox Church. Mm -hmm. um, the thing to know about that is uh, most of those, if you go into a service at a you know, Ukrainian or um, uh, you know, Greek or whatever, any of those given churches, the, the service is going to feel very similar 
Um, the only big difference is between Byzantine style music and um, Slavic style, which um, I should add that the services are basically sung or chanted the whole thing, um, except for the, the homily or the sermon. Um, so, so that, that's where I'm coming from. And, you know, along with that is, um, it, it's just a very ancient, very liturgical, uh, style of service. And it's, it's very contemplative and meditative. I mean, we have candles and incense and it really, you know, it ties in your whole body, all of your senses, you know, they're, they're even, um, some censers, um, which, you know, that's what a priest will swing um, to, you know, get the incense flowing throughout the uh, the temple. But um, some of those even have like bells and things on them. Um, and so, you know, there's just all different kinds of things that just pull in and make it a full body experience. I don't know if you've made this connection, but it seems to me that, you know, someone with a musical background such as yourself, like mm-hmm. that's that that makes sense to me that like the 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 ser- the way of the tr- christian expression that you you eventually found your way to um would make m- you know more use of all of the all of those sensory uh inputs and you know mm-hmm. have you know be filled with chanting music that kind of thing i don't know is that something yeah. you thought about oh absolutely yeah it, it was very appealing so i i also lead our choir Oh, wow. Um, so, so it kind of, and, and when I say choir, I mean, we don't have a lot of people yet. We have a new, a new mission church here in Waynesville or over in Waynesville, I should say, I'm in Canton. Um, so it's very small, but it's four part harmony and there aren't any instruments. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it absolutely appeals to that, <laughs> that part of me. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, oh, go ahead. oh, I was going to say about, you asked about the, the morning prayers. Yeah. Um, and, and there is, you know, we do have um, set prayers that we're encouraged to, to pray every day. Um, but there's, there's one in particular um, that it's, an, it's one of the introductory prayers that, that we say, not just during our, our personal morning prayers, but like at all services, it begins with a certain set of prayers. And um, one of the lines, one of the pieces of that is, um, you who are everywhere present and filling all things. And that, that prayer in particular, just always, um, that really helps me to get recalibrated mm. and remember that, uh, yeah, everywhere present, filling all things. God is here around us with me everywhere. Um, and that's just, that's always been a really big encouragement for me that the kind of kind of transcends those, you know, pastoral versus vocational kind of things to, to know that he, he's in everything. He's here. <laughs> mm, yeah. Absolutely. And as a Methodist, I have to say, I, I'm, uh, I'm uh, super encouraged, you know, to hear how your, your daily prayer practice has been uh, supportive of your, your own spiritual, mental, emotional health. Uh, for folks who are listening who uh, happen to be Methodist or no Methodist, you may mm-hmm. uh, remember that um, part of the, the term Methodism, you know, that's what they, these group yeah. of people were named. Um, mm-hmm. It was because they had this method of daily prayer and scripture reading. Mm-hmm. 
and and so that I can share resources for folks who are interested in daily prayer uh, liturgies uh, within the Methodist tradition, but it's a long history, and it goes in the Anglican, the Episcopal, the Catholic, and the Orthodox churches all have some sort of daily uh, prayer practice, and I, and I think that makes a lot of sense, you know. Christians yeah. have been through a lot over the centuries, and mm -hmm. developing these practices of return and rest and contemplation have been important. Um, so, Ryan, if you have resources for folks who wanted to um, maybe try out uh, like a daily prayer practice, please share those with me. I'd love to I'll share one right now, yeah. Um, so what I used to use, I don't know if you're familiar with Phyllis Tickle. Um, I've heard the name, but tell me more. Yeah, I don't know what her background is. I can't remember if she's Anglican or something like that, but um, she has a really accessible, well-written set of prayer books. Um, and therefore, you know, each season, um, and it's it it has like hourly. I mean, it's it's on the hour. It has you know comp line. Um, it has vespers, um, and there are just these different sets of prayers that you can pray throughout the day. Awesome. And I think there there are either three or four volumes um, that cover. Like I said, they go by the season. So there's like summertime, and there's maybe like fall and winter, uh, and then a spring one. And then she's okay. also got a smaller one um, that's made. It doesn't have as much variety in it, um, but it's it's practical for like if you're traveling or something, or just you know want to have it with you. You know, say it in your car before you like on your lunch break or something. Um, it's it's really nice too. Awesome. Okay. Well, definitely, I'll, I'll put that in the uh, in the outro slide as a resource for folks uh, who are interested and. You know, this has been a really great uh, conversation. I want to bring us um, back to the beginning as far as um, the, the current crisis that we're in, coronavirus. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You've been using telehealth. Have you noticed um, any increased uh, needs or issues in the community that you want to to let people know to be aware of in themselves and family and 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 what what should folks do you know if they start to notice that like maybe maybe I do need to ask for help yeah um, I mean th this is a time where you know loneliness is is very very real and very felt mm -hmm. and um, and that goes for me, you know, that goes, it's, it's difficult to not be connected in the ways that we're used to because we're made for connection. We're made to be able to do that. Um, so, you know, taking care of yourself is, is the big thing. And then just being aware and asking questions um, in an open way that invites conversation from your loved ones. Um, if, if you notice them acting different or the big one, especially um, for like teenagers and kids is, you know, isolating and, and pulling away from when you notice those things, you know, be aware of it and, and reach out and ask questions. Um, I know it can be, it can be like, oh, well, they just, you know, shut themselves up in their rooms and don't want to come out. Mm. And well, I mean, we have some um, 
we have the ability to go and ask questions, right? And then we start us off. You know, what are what would be some initial questions to ask? Yeah, well, just something as simple as just, hey, I noticed um, that I haven't seen you as much lately, or I've I've noticed that you haven't been around with us as much, and I just want to make sure everything's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, just just simple, um, just and, and acknowledging, knowing that, um, letting them know that you care and that you've noticed, and that um, you want them to be present, rather than um, what it, it happens a lot, right? Like, ah, oh, you're just always in your room. Why don't you come out? You know mm-hmm. that that's not going to help <laughs> Look, yeah. if we're being honest that, that, you know, brings up some guilt and, and really those are kind of like fighting words, right? If you, if you have a teenager, they're going to retaliate. <laughs> so, um, you know, as, as much as you can get in tune with what your own experience of this time is like, it's probably pretty similar for the next person. Okay. So if you can have that same kind of compassion for yourself and then, you know, extend that to whoever you're concerned about, I'd say the response will be better. Awesome. Yeah. And, and then as far as, you know, um, mental health, professional mental health uh, right. counseling, what, what resources would you recommend for folks? Yeah, I, I wish I could give you a great long list. Um, unfortunately, it is a little challenging in our area. Um, we, we have a lot of really great private practice folks, um, and I'm, I'm the only one that's in Canton that I know of, and I think the rest are, you know, generally over towards Waynesville. Um, but just as simple as going on to psychology today, um, and, and just looking for folks, um, that resonate with you, reading bios and just kind of seeing who stands out if you're looking for a a counselor, that's, Mm -hmm. that's a really great place to start. Um, and I would encourage you to be, um, just don't settle for the first one that you see, you know, you, you make the calls, you know, call several and, and just kind of see what people sound like on the phone and see if it feels like a comfortable beginning on the phone and then pursue from there. Um, I, I guess I would want to remind everybody that you're, you're in control of that. You get to decide who you work with and it does matter if you feel comfortable <laughs> yeah. with that person. So um, anyway, yeah, that, that's one way to go about it. Um, we do have um, some local agencies, though um, I wouldn't be able to speak very well about, um, you know, what they offer and to the extent of what, what's offered. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Okay. I hope well, that's perfect. helpful. I wish yeah. I had more to offer. <laughs> that is a good start. And, uh, yeah. um, I really appreciate it. Well, yeah. Ryan, I, I feel like we should should wrap up our conversation. Um, I'm just so grateful for you taking the time to to share with us, and uh, I hope we can we can continue this conversation. And uh, is it all right if people if I if I share your contact information with folks? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, then I guess on uh, behalf of uh, my churches and uh, on the Canon community, really, thank you so much for um, for taking the time to to share with us and to help us understand a little bit more about about you and about um, mental health counseling and uh, you know how how to take care of one another during this time. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely, and thanks thanks for doing this with me, Peter. It's really been a pleasure. All right. Well, have a good day. You too.